Welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In this episode, we are discussing how federal agencies are creating secure networks and quantum communications to counter the future threat of quantum computers and help prevent attacks aimed at capturing the keys, which could compromise the current cryptographic system. Quantum can also be beneficial across several agencies and industry to prevent sensitive information, such as healthcare data and financial details. And for our conversation, I sat down with Lamont Copeland, who's the Director of Federal Solutions Architecture at Verizon, and Jim Westdorp, who's the Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives at Siena Government Solutions, who broke down the different quantum types, threats, and zero-trust compatibility to federal agencies and beyond. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. And Lamont and Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you both. And let's start at the top and talk about definitions. Can you help define the different types of quantum that's really being bantered around these days, such as quantum cryptography, quantum internet, and quantum key distribution, or QKD? And we'll go with Jim on this one. Yeah, sure. Uh, Great question. And, you know, as it relates to quantum, there are a lot of terms being bandied about. And uh, you've hit on some of the primary ones here. And let's, I'll just take them one at a time. So, you know, quantum cryptography, that really just refers to an overall set or class of solutions that are used to build up a secure communications channel. It's really the same sorts of cryptography, meaning, you know, like if people are familiar with AES-256, which is a type particular encryption algorithm that's used today and certain forms of PKI or public key infrastructure That's the sort of thing that we're talking about with quantum cryptography, the things that are necessary to encrypt a link, but using techniques that are resistant to attack from quantum computers. And that's the real problem that quantum is trying to solve. There's a new class of computer coming along. It's not scalable to the point where it can really break today's crypto today. But the view is over the next few years, five to 10 years, it could be good enough to have a quantum computer be fast enough to break classical cryptography. And so what do we do about that? What kind of changes are necessary in uh, in network infrastructure in order to prepare ourselves as we evolve from the state where today, you know, classical encryption can protect communications and uh, messages very well to the future where it might not be able to. And so quantum cryptography refers to the sorts of cryptography that would be resistant to attack from a quantum computer. Quantum internet would be, you know, an internet or a communications network that is designed and uses quantum cryptos to secure the traffic flowing across that internet. And then quantum key distribution or quantum key exchange, QKD, That's what's used to distribute the keys that are then used to encrypt the data. So the concepts actually are very, very analogous to what is going on today. It's just that we have to have a different variant of many of these algorithms so that they can be resistant to this new kind of quantum computer attack. I think it's a good answer, Jim. And and a lot of that, too, just to make sure people are aware, this is a little different than... uh classical internet network. This is not something that we replace that. This is something which will then layer on and go over the top of how we typically think of classical internet today with you know our routers and our switches and, and being able to move 
packets of across from the WAN into LAN. This is then layering in that quantum networking and the quantum internet to be able to then support the quantum computers that are going to be developed for future use in the future. So, Awesome. Really good stuff. So, Jim, how do qubits play into all of this? <laughs> uh, when we're talking about quantum, somebody's got to ask the qubit question. And it's a good one. So qubit is a quantum bit. If you think of computers that we all know and love, they were, you know, they're binary by and large, they're binary devices, and they operate with, uh, you know, a series of zeros and ones. Most computers these days are 64-bit computers. A qubit is just a quantum bit, which is actually a reference to the quantum computer itself that could be used potentially to try to decrypt a session. So a qubit is part of a quantum computer, which is a thing that attacks the network potentially, but it's not the thing that we use to protect the network. Uh, And we'll talk about the kinds of tools that we would use to protect the network and how we're going to evolve the network over time to make it secure from quantum attack. But quantum networking uses quantum crypto, new algorithms, kyber, dilithium, you might hear terms like that. And qubits, that's actually part of the quantum computer itself, which doesn't impact the comms but it potentially is part of the machine that could be trying to break somebody's crypto and why we have to do things a little different going forward. That's great. Thanks, Jim. So how are secure communications really established and what parts of that encrypted communications are susceptible to attack from quantum computers? And we'll go with Lamont on this one. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So a lot of this is around, if you think about this, is is the man in the middle attack that we're really trying to thwart against. Because what you're looking at is you look at our existing AES-256, like uh, Jim was talking about earlier, that is what we use traditionally today to be able to protect that. And traditional computers can't go through and crack that and break that information, break that encryption key so that then the data becomes exposed and anyone can be able to read it at any time or any machine. When you get to quantum computers and quantum computing, that's going to really, you know, make that what would take years and upon years to be able to crack an AES-256 to a matter of days, minutes, maybe seconds to be able to do that. So how do we then start protecting and working towards that while these computers start getting developed and built is to start working on the uh, quantum encryption that's going to be associated with that. And that can be leveraged here today as you look at that, because even if you get that man-in-the-middle attack when data is being siphoned or information is taken away, if you're tying that with something like an AES-256 and putting a quantum key on top of that, now you're putting the different layers of defense in there to be able to support the encryption and making sure that even a quantum computer will not be able to break that connection or break that encryption to be able to read that data. So that's a lot of what we're trying to do here right now. It's protect the data. It's how we're how that data is being used and viewed across the network or in, you know, in another environment. So we're trying to make sure that we don't, we are not able to break that. So what you can do today, some of the methods are, and this can run over our existing classical networks that we were talking about earlier, is at the edge before the data is then passed across the LAN is to then mix on a quantum key. And this is part of the quantum key distribution that we were talking about is you then take that, marry that with the AES-256 key, and then run that, you potentially run that with a quantum VPN and back and forth between each one of the locations. You'll hear people talk about how do I then pass keys between Alice and Bob as a scenario. That is where we're saying, okay, here's how I'm going in passing the encryption, uh, passing the data that's encrypted with a quantum key. 
you have a device on the end that can read only can read the quantum random generated number, and then you know the data is then encrypted and protected that in that manner. That's just one method of how you can do that with a quantum VPN. There's also technologies and futures which are embedding it into the network itself too with that encryption module. But there's you know there's just a multitude of ways to be able to protect against that man in the middle attack where data could be siphoned and for either layer breaking of that key or you know that forced brute way of uh, you know getting to that data. I don't know, Jim, if there's anything additional that you wanted to add on to that explanation. Yeah, no, good explanation. Uh, you know, but the only th additional thing I would say is that the key, one of the keys for folks to understand is that one of the reasons why networks today are susceptible to quantum attack is because of beyond the, the realm of this kind of conversation, but public key infrastructure, PKI, exchanges keys in such a way that they are susceptible to quantum attack mathematically. And that's why we need to start talking about doing things differently. So there's basic encryption like AES-256. And as Lamont said, that's relatively safe from quantum attack just by virtue of the kind of encryption it is. But the key exchange, that's the thing that's susceptible to uh, attack from future quantum computers and why we need to do things differently going forward to create quantum secure networks. All right, good stuff. Can you share how industry can use quantum to protect their environments and what are some of the use cases of how the business community could use quantum? And we'll actually stick with Jim on this one. Okay, yeah, sure. So let me just talk a little bit about what you know best practice is today. So today, what people do, particularly you know, federal and, and DOD, very security sensitive organizations will do, is they're already going to segment their traffic by what I'll call sensitivity or classification. So, you know, the first thing you need to do is understand which elements of your communication need to be secured. And not only that, how secure and over what period of time information needs to be secured with, because one of the ways that, you know, you can be susceptible even today to a future quantum attack, and that almost make, doesn't make sense, you know, how could I be susceptible to a future attack if it isn't available yet? Well, one of the ways that people can attack networks is by actually copying the data off it. They cannot get access to the network. And even if they can't decrypt it, they will copy the data and store it away for, you know, potentially years until such a time as they have a means to crack it with a quantum computer. And so, as an enterprise, what you want to do is segregate the information that is long-term valuable, which somebody could do kind of a store and future decrypt attack on, from information which is maybe you, know, you want to keep secure, but somebody decodes it a year from now, it isn't going to matter too much. And so you want to segment information that way. And then for that information, part of your information flow that is long-term valuable, you want to use techniques even today that are what are called uh, quantum resistant. So for those data elements, you don't want to use public key infrastructure or you want to layer on top of it types of classical crypto that are resistant to quantum like AES-256, like pre-shared key AES-256 on either end what's what's called a symmetrical encryption algorithm, that's quantum resistant. And those are the sorts of things that you want to do from a use case perspective 
to use quantum. Segregate your data for long-term valuable information. Use uh, you know layer on pre-shared key symmetrical encryption, which is available today, to that highly valuable data so that it's protected uh, over the long term. And then start thinking about moving towards shared secure keying schemes like QKD for distributing the keys securely. That's the other aspect of a secured keyed infrastructure is you want to use symmetrical encryption as we talked about. And well, how do you get the keys there? I mean, you, you can get it there with the, you know, passbooks and people committing things to memory, et cetera. Or you can use QKD, which is a mathematically secure and physically secure way of distributing key, unlike PKI, which is not, to lock down the cryptos that are being used for the most sensitive information. So layered security. And what's great about that with this uh, layer security and how you can lock down that architecture, it's great for different uses in places like in public uh, utilities and critical infrastructure, because what we're trying to do, and this is looking at how we protect sensitive data or movement of that sensitive data or control systems that work with us. So, you know, using that for the, to stop what we've talked about before, those men in the middle attacks, siphoning information, getting things into there. I mean, it's critical to be able to protect things like, you know, our critical infrastructure and making sure that those public works are still able to maintain and be secure today. And this can also work over different scenarios where, like, you're seeing more and more proliferation of satellite systems being pushed out there, too, as well. Those use that same public key, those keying infrastructures to be able to transmit a lot of data from geographic data, the GPS data, those types of things. This is something where we're going to use and manage the encryption modules to be able to support our working over satellite comms. And then like a final example of that too would be, you know, we're in a world where it's still a remote environment. We're working in a hybrid environment. There's still offices, people moving back and forth. And that data makes the attack surface a lot bigger for anybody that's looking to target and get information. So how do we then protect over our VPNing infrastructure, the data that's going between somebody's home, a workplace, a remote location to be able to then continue to be able to work in a secure manner from no matter where we're at. So a couple of other examples there that would tie into what Jim was talking about with how we manage that infrastructure and the keying infrastructure to be able to support the uses and the missions. That's great. It's actually a perfect segue into our next question, which is really all about zero trust. So how does quantum support zero trust initiatives across federal government? And we'll stay with Lamont on this one. You know, want to say that quantum security and quant all the work talk we're having here today is really a portion of that zero trust architecture that you're looking at. If you're looking at this, we're talking heavily, it's really on, if you look at what DOD and how they set up the zero trust architecture and, and references models, it is really around data encryption and that data pillar that they're talking through and how do you provide encryption and security around that data? Because really that is what we're trying to make sure of is no matter what infrastructure this goes over, whether it's a, over a fiber infrastructure or an MPLS infrastructure, or even over a broadband network, is how do I then encrypt and provide that secure encryption of that data across that environment? So this is one of those pillars or important parts of the zero trust architecture, but it's not the full architecture itself. There's still things which has to be tied into policy and procedures. How do I do network segmentation? How do I do application security and user insight? So how do I you know secure with what data I can see? This is one of those things which tie into that larger 
zero trust environment that you're trying to create. But it's a key point because even if you put in the processes and procedure, this is just one of those security elements where I'm not, you know, protecting how I access that data, but how that data is itself is being secured. So look at it as something which will help agencies get a part of that zero trust roadmap that they're going to be working on and working through the next couple of years. All right, perfect. Well, we're up on our last question of the day, which is really future focused. So how can quantum help protect agencies from the attacks of tomorrow? And we'll start with Jim on this one. Yeah, sure. So that's the whole reason for looking at changing our cryptographic infrastructure is really to prepare networks today and networks of the future from future risks that they can be exposed to from improvements in computational technologies, specifically quantum computers. And so industry, meaning the cryptographic industry and the telecommunications industry is really gearing up to provide a new set of cryptographic algorithms and key distribution mechanisms that are quantum safe. Unlike some of the mechanisms which are being used today that are in fact demonstrably not quantum safe, meaning safe against attack from a quantum computer, these new set of algorithms are designed so that even once quantum computers are at a stage where they can launch a potentially successful attack on a network, we've implemented algorithms such that they are as secure, you know, the comms can be as secure then as they are now. What that means is that as an industry, and this is both, you know, like as an equipment provider, which CN is, we, and we build equipment that embeds encryption technology in it, but also agencies that are consumers of networks and who operate secure communications, you know, you need to be prepared for some of the changes that are coming. Specifically, moving to quantum resistance, you know, network and encryption structures today. And we talked a little bit about what that means. It means, you know, for the highest secure data, use government grade crypto, which does use symmetrical keys. If you're using PKI, normal things, HTTPS, Secure H, Secure FTP, TLS, those are all PKI structures which use asymmetrical keys, which are the things that are susceptible to attack. So don't use those exclusively. Wrap it with uh, symmetrical keyed encryption services today. That's to make things quantum resistant for today. And then over the longer term, you really need to be prepared. And this is just a planning thing that most of your Classical algorithms, software, hardware that's using PKI today, your secure FTP, your HTTP, all those algorithms are going to have to be changed out for quantum resistant or quantum safe ones. There's a sea change, if you will, coming in the industry, and many of the software tools and some of the hardware algorithms, et cetera, are going to change. NIST are actively working on new algorithms. They haven't approved. There's a short list, I think down to four particular crypto algorithms that I mentioned, Kyber and Dilithium. There's several others that are in there. Those are being vetted right now by all the PhD crypto analysts, (laughs) and they're going to choose a a specific set that is going to become a future standard. So there are future standards coming that we're all going to have to comply with 
that's really the whole point of this. There's things you can do today and longer term, you need to be planning for a change out of your secure comms infrastructure. Yeah, no, and I totally agree with Jim on that there. And the only other thing I would add to that is and there are ways to go through. I know there's a lot of industry buzz about quantum itself and security and what can be done, but it's also getting a good understanding too of what your encryption profile looks like. I know in both federal and in the commercial world, there are people that are trying to understand similar to like how we want to go through with network and these network transformations. How do I go through a transformation here with the encryption modules and the encryption and the PKI environment? So go out there understanding how the applications are leveraging the encryption, how your network is doing the encryption, how your database is, how all those things are doing that. So when you understand that profile, then you can then go through and figure out, okay, how do I then build that roadmap plan to be able to then incorporate and start getting quantum encryption and, and doing these change outs that uh, Jim was talking about. So it's really making sure you have a full understanding of your environment and how that data is also flowing and touching across your environment too as well into different pieces. And that's part of the data governance that's associated with that because it all comes down to how we're protecting that data which is a key resource for all of us, for our businesses and for our missions for the federal government. And thank you, Lamont and Jim, for joining us today. And big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in staying up to date on the latest best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies in quantum key distribution, be sure to visit governmenttechnologyinsider.com. I've been your host, Matt Langan, and until next time, so long.